Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm here with the other host of the show who has been doing a lot of the guiding and the clicky button things for us for, for many, many times, and that is Pastor Dave Rudot. Pastor, why don't you say hi? Uh, this is really interesting today. Um, I just noticed right off the bat, what a way to start the show with your old bumper music that you used to use. I know, I know. It wasn't the theme music that you used to use, but the bumper music. I, but it was timed out. Have... It was timed out so I didn't have to mute it. So it's less <laughs> less things I have to do. <laughs> so, so, no, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be back into some type of, uh, I don't know, semblance of... of order um you've been on vacation i'll have a vacation that's coming yes. up hopefully maybe maybe two times i can get away here in august but i'll be here for the show because uh this is a, a good time and a relaxing time i think for me um we are we're we're kind of in this uh the lull period of our show i would have to say where we're kind of in the middle of transferring into new things we had finished up um, a couple of our studies we've done a couple of debunking um, today's show is is more of a, a topic that I got from a book uh, by David Zoll, and that is uh, low anthropology. Um, I don't have a picture of that, but but if you'd like to, maybe maybe throughout the show, if we get some time, we'll look up the link and and throw it on into the chat overlay there. Um, but <clears throat> uh, David Zoll, uh, he wrote a book about uh, low anthropology, and in there he he. Um, brought up this concept of imposter syndrome. And so when we were kind of debating, you know, just coming off a of vacation and saying, you know, what would we like to do for, for a good comeback show um, in late summer? And we thought, how awesome to talk about being an imposter in your own job. And so uh, um, that's where we have the name of our, our show for today. Am I truly an imposter? And uh, if it feels as as though this is a little bit of a weird show, like everything is is turned upside down and the universe is out of whack, um, that's because it is. Um, and and that I came up with an outline uh, as brief as it may be. I had uh, research things that I sent out so that people could get some extra information. It was very odd. Um, and, and I was told, don't do that again. It was glorious. No, you were not told that at all. You were said, this is great. There was a great disturbance. There was a great disturbance. I know where he's going to go. I know where Will is binding himself so that I don't have to be prepared for all of the tangents of Will Harley, that I know that he's going to talk about these six things. And so I can prepare for it. It was great. There was a disturbance in the force. Um, And many millions cried out. (laughs) Yay! Well, uh, so that is that is where our show is going to be going today. Before we get there, um, do realize it's just two pastors starting a conversation. It's not the end of this conversation. And so we invite you to join in either through the chat, through our email, if you'd like to email us, or um, if you'd like to contact us in our churches, you can find me at St. John Lutheran Church here in Maribel, Wisconsin. You can find uh, Pastor Rudot. Where can we find you, Pastor Rudot? Emmanuel and Shirley. There Shirley, you, you know where that is. There you go. Shirley, Wisconsin, in case there's another Shirley somewhere else. 
Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's other Shirley's in other states. Um, Surely there should be other Shirley's. Should There surely should be. Um, so you can find him there. He'll be more than willing to carry on the conversation. You might want to talk with him before you talk with me because he is actually the most intelligent of the two of us. Uh, I, I, am just, I am just the voice behind the microphone. He is the face of the program. <laughs> and so uh, uh, if we do offend you, that is not our intent. Our intent is, of course... Uh, to make sure that uh, uh, we try to stick to the scriptures, stick to uh, a biblical perspective, um, stick to the doctrines of the Lutheran Church. And so that will be our attempt. If for some reason we do offend you, um, please take this as the preemptive asking of forgiveness. Uh, and because uh, that's a, a true thing that we have. And uh, uh, fast forward a little bit. If you're watching it after, if you if you are watching it live, just uh, kind of plug your ears and say la 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 for a little bit, and uh, I'm sure we'll get beyond what may have angered you. Uh, other than that, I think that's that's it for a, a fairly good disclaimer. What do you think? I think that's a good disclaimer. On the flip side, if you do enjoy uh, the podcast, please help us reach this to others by sharing it with your friends and neighbors. Anyone else you'd like to share it with, you can rate us, give us a good review. Please don't give us five stars because I, as the face of this program, can't get my head any bigger. It will explode. I won't be able to fit into anything. Uh, the doorways will, you know, stand in my way. So that's that's a real issue that I'm really concerned about. So please don't give us five stars. Give us four stars and uh, a good review. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe and then hit the little bell thing so that you'll know when these shows come up. So when we do take hi hiatus like we did, you'll know exactly when the show comes back. Absolutely. Well, then, without further ado, let's have our, our little bit of uh, intro music into the topic. And this is another one reaching back into the the media archives. Um, but again, it's timed up, so I don't have to do the adjustments on the volume. So there you go. Welcome back. As we have an opportunity to join in our, our discussion here, we are, are once again looking uh, sort of very, very brief, briefly, topically almost, uh, from a book uh, by David Zoll called In um, Low Anthropology. Uh, and we're not going to discuss the entirety of the book, although that would probably be a very good show uh, to maybe go either chapter by chapter through it or um, to take it in, in like two, two sections or, or something of that nature. Uh, but one of the concepts that was brought up <clears throat> in his book is uh, the concept of imposter syndrome and how imposter syndrome is really linked to um, a low anthropology and, and how um, somebody who, who views uh, mankind in a in a lower way. In other words, uh, I should probably take a step back and, and just describe what low anthropology is or, or what anthropology is first and then kind of work our way through that. Um, anthropology is the, is the study of um, people, 
So how how do we function? How do we how do we interact with one another? Um, how do we interact with the surrounding world in which we live? Um, and so if someone has a low anthropology, they are describing people as faulty. So so uh, somebody with a low anthropology would look at the world and say, you know, I, I understand why there are murderers. I understand why there are thieves. I understand why I cannot be perfect. I understand why why um, I'm not able to obtain and do the things that I want to do because I'm fault. I, I'm faulty. There's a problem with me um, and I'm not as great as I would like to be. The opposite side of a low anthropology would be what they call a high anthropology, which is this idea that um, really we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. In fact, I can pull myself up. I'm a self-made person. Um, All people are morally good and are able to make choices that are going to be beneficial for themselves uh, without any help. And so there's this high anthropology versus low anthropology and, and how they, they kind of combat each other. Now, uh, in the Lutheran circles, I, I think people who are, who are already listening are, are probably thinking to themselves, well, most Lutherans probably have a low anthropology. And theologically, I would say you're right. Um, I would say that, that some of your other denomination or church denominations have more of a high anthropology. Um, and, and that's a, a part of the discussion today. But all this kind of introduces the concept that was brought out in the book, which is um, something that is a true syndrome. It is something that has been studied, and it is, it is um, uh, something that you can get counseling for. And that is this idea of being an imposter. Yeah, this it was interesting to read the imposter syndrome information because it's like a behavioral health diagnosis and not like a DSM a diagnosis where they would say, this is what you have. These are the treatments for it, but more of a worldview of an individual uh, feeling and um, of an individual feeling that they, everyone else has got their act together, but I'm the only one that's, that doesn't. And I think culturally the imposter syndrome can be infectious. It doesn't matter if it's in a Lutheran church or not, just because if we're all sharing with each other, all of our successes, and not sharing who we truly are as sinners needing Christ, then there isn't that there is a, everyone, or there are some individuals feeling so lonely. And the this is where I feel the Christian church, the Lutheran church is, is ready for our time because of some people, so many people feeling alone and feeling like they're, they're the only ones dealing with or struggling with these things. And as a church, if we uh, gravitate towards, all of our successes and all of our blessings that maybe we are doing our people a disservice where as pastors, I think I, I appreciated this thinking through this topic. Like as a pastor, we always say the church is a hospital, not a country club. And, but we say that, but are we actually, what are we doing? What are we, what are we expressing? Oh, God is doing this great victory in my life or that great victory or blessing us in this way or blessing us in that way rather than just saying we are a bunch of sinners who are oftentimes a mess and we need Christ. Well, and, and this is where I, I think I, and, and, and that's where I want to go. Um, oh, by, no, that's fine. Okay. So by the, by, I think by the end of the show, we're going to round that out and we're going to, we're going to return to that and really dive into what does it mean to, to, um, 
um, be an imposter and have a low anthropology and, and how, do, how do we still work and live within it? But I, I think I think when we, we kind of bring it back a little bit, we have to realize that I, I think, and, and you, you did touch on it, with everything that is so success-driven in life, I think we are, as a people, and I'm not just saying as Christian or non-Christian, I'm not saying um, as Lutherans or Baptists, um, if you want to do two different type of Christian groups, I'm saying as a culture of people, um, in the United States especially, but I would say even worldwide, we have, we have allowed ourselves to be fed this idea that everybody is got their act together, right? Um, or capable of. Or capable of it, yeah. Like like um, you see the Facebook posts or you see the picture on Instagram or you see the Twitter or whatever, and you're like, that person has it together. You know, um, we've all heard the stories. I know we've heard the stories, but it doesn't register with us of the, the models who say, well, I, you know, for that one Instagram photo, I took 50 different other pictures to just make sure that one was perfect. Um, and, but we hear that in, in our head, we hear that through their ears, but in our head, we're thinking, no, they had it all together and all, all 50 of them were probably good. They were just nitpicking, um, because the lighting was bad. Um, you know, and so we, we start thinking in our head that that everybody has skills that are better than yours. Everybody has their job that they're doing that's better than yours. Um, everybody has has this uh, uh, ability to do things that that you don't have. And I, I disagree in some regards with uh, David Zoll and David Zoll uh, um, and, and a lot of the other mental uh, practitioners in our world who deal with mental illness and thing, uh, give credit to uh, this idea of of imposter syndrome to low anthropology. Um, they 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 say, well, people who who don't think that mankind or people can do certain things or that they're incapable of doing certain things usually have this uh, imposter syndrome to a greater effect. I I kind of want to disagree with that. And the reason I disagree with that is because I think um, the, the syndrome itself, the syndrome itself is predominantly found in high functioning, high achieving industries, right? So, so I mean, you have, a, you have the syndrome of this high anthropology that's really found in people who uh, would consider themselves to be highly educated. They're, they're people that consider themselves to be at the top echelon of whatever field that they're in. And if they're in that field, in anything else, whether they think they're an imposter or not, they're, they're, you know, they're the ones standing up and saying, well, you can pull yourself up. I pulled myself up. You know, this idea of, of at least pushing forward an idea of a higher anthropology than, than what they may be uh, experiencing as they think of themselves as the imposter in their job. And, and it just kind of makes me think, you know, we try to make these really nice clear cut lines between, OK, if someone who who thinks of themselves as incapable, uh, they're always going to suffer from this debilitating incapability. Uh, and then we see these other people who think, well, mankind is destined for greater things and people can do greater things. And so they're always going to be doing greater things. And, and I, I, I think both of them will suffer from something like this. Both of them will suffer from from um, 
thinking that they're putting on a show or being an imposter or not achieving the things that they want to achieve because it is it is literally impossible to not. Does that make any sense? Or is it just a bunch of word salad being thrown together? I think the it because it's not a um, a scientific like DSM type of thing where it's more of a worldview of an individual and we're dealing with behaviors and dealing with uh, how how you're looking at the world. I, I I disagreed that this would only a people who are in high functioning environments that would have this syndrome. I think this is a this is the sinful nature attacks us in two different ways one way is that it fills us with pride saying that we're we're better we can any if any adversity that we're undergoing we can improve in such a way so that we are the ideal person we're the ideal parent we're the ideal man we're the ideal all of those things that we can strive for all of those things that that's possible um but at the on the flip side um that but then you're also looking around and seeing other people and saying why can't i be like so and so why can't i be like the person that is uh is, is doing the, the YouTube videos and things like that. So I think the the idea of the imposter feeling like you're not qualified to be where you are, I think that can be in any field because it is a the sinful nature filled with pride or the sinful nature that destroys us and, and, and pushes us down and saying you're no good. And the answer, which I don't want to get, I already went way too far off the outline, but the, the answer is coming. In the end, uh, what is what? How can we use um, Christ to combat the imposter syndrome? And that's coming. Well, and but I think I think it is true. You know, what is from a mental standpoint? You know, this imposter syndrome comes from self doubt. It comes from um, um, an unabil- or inability to recognize your skills, an inability to recognize your your accomplishments, um, and there is there is truth to that, right? There is truth that 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 a person who can't recognize that they bring something to the table is going to be affected by this in a great deal. People who who are always looking back into their own life and saying, "Did I make the right decision? Have I done the right things?" Um, on the flip side, and, and this is where the sinful nature gets you, because on the flip side, if you're not, if you are not doubting yourself ever, then you are a very arrogant person <laughs> and you're like, I've never made a wrong decision, which then you look back and you're like, well, look at all the wrong decisions I've made. <laughs> um, and so you, you, you have these, these warring things that go on in, in, in inside of you. And I think um, and and I, I do agree with what you're saying. This is the sinful nature attacking us from all angles and from every side, um, no matter what we try to do in life. One of the things that, that you see this in is anxiety. You see it in the rise of depression, right? As, as we become more anxious, as we are becoming more depressed, as we are um, um, being exposed as the frauds that we are because we, we have our... I, I think we have our lives and our worlds have been uh, super expanded. Um, there used to be a time, and, and I'm going to go back into history and, and just say there used to be a time that that when you were in town, you know, the the smartest people in town were usually the pastor and, and the mayor, right? Um, the, the clergy teachers. And, and the teachers. Yeah. They were the smartest people in town. So, and, and they would say that because they went to school. They studied for this. They, they had, they had, you know, I'm not saying that, they had worldly smarts and they couldn't go out and maybe plant 
and do the, the, the things like a farmer could do. But, but when people were like, I need guidance, they would go there. And now in our world, it's expanded so much. It's, it's those people who were in those positions are now being second guessed because, you know, it doesn't take you more than two clicks to go and, and find another, another sermon on, on what your pastor just preached on. And then you can say, but my pastor said this, but this pastor said that. And I like what this guy says over what that guy says. So you must be smarter or, or you can look at the, uh, you can go and find somebody, you know, off a of WebMD or whatever else that has more letters behind their name. And you're like, well, they must be smarter than my local physician that I went to go see. And so I'm going to take their advice over that. And so you get this idea where you're, you're second guessing, am I as good as the other information that I can get somewhere else? Um, is, am I telling them anything new that they can't get for free or from somebody that they will find who is more intelligent than I am. Um, and, and so you, you do get this as a part of that imposter syndrome. Am I just playing the part? Um, we've had it as a running joke, right? Where, where we've said, you know, um, someday Maribel will call a real pastor, you know, you've had that as a running joke. (laughs) I've had that as a running joke. Um, and you've laughed at it and chuckled (laughs) and you're like, I didn't want to say anything. But <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but it's, it's that but it I, is self-deprecating. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is. And, and I have been known to do that on, from time to time. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that play part and parcel to, I, I think a, a part of this imposter syndrome where we know ourselves so well, we know our deficiencies and our faults and we highlight them um, in our own minds at least and then we know we're covering up for them when we're standing in front of the people that we're called to serve or where we're doing the job that we're supposed to be doing. Um, and it becomes a very hard thing because I think it, it, it describes our, one, our weakness to perfectionism, some of us, right? Um, that I, idea that I have to have everything in order and everything has to be perfect before it, it could be acceptable. It, it highlights our problem with, 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 um, one of the articles said superheroism, <laughs> the idea of being overly prepared um, for any in every possible scenario. And, and how would we think that through um, the fear of failure, which I is, is a huge thing. Um, I think every pastor, to some extent, I, and I would assume every parishioner to some extent, the fear of if we do this, what is the possibility that it will not succeed? And, and so I can't do it. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the idea of uh, just am I competent enough? Do I know enough to even start the project? Um, am I capable of continuing it on? And, and then and I don't know how close this one is, but the fear of it actually going well. <laughs> All of these things kind of blend in. Right. That that uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but we'll start it. And if it actually goes well, what do you do then? <laughs> I mean, sounds like every podcast that we do. It is pretty much every podcast. That is, uh, I mean, we are practicing this imposter syndrome on a on a weekly basis. Um, so, I mean, there is there is these these ideas that um, things in our head are are really getting involved in this. Um, looking, trying to keep it to the six notes, right? Because I gave you this whole outline, and I could throw the whole outline away, and we could just wing it. But then that would be very disappointing. Um, so. Kind of looking at this, 
if if we were going to limit this um, imposter syndrome, and I'm going to ask you this question, Dave, and you can you can expand upon it, and maybe we can make it a discussion point. Um, if we're going to to say, okay, this imposter syndrome is is really prevalent in every profession, but but is is becomes more prevalent, I think, in in low anthropology when when people start realizing, really, I am not that good. <laughs> as much as I would like to be, I'm not. Um, what are the pros and cons? So. Like, is it a help or a hindrance that, that you have a low anthropology when coming into the syndrome? So, so you're, you've, you're suffering with this imposter syndrome. You recognize, yeah, I'm not perfect. Is that a help or a hindrance? I think it's a, a help because you are also reckon, it help it leads you to see that everyone else is just as messed up as I am. So the, I think the key obviously is to be in a community where that is actually expressed. So if you're an individual that's sitting in a community where everyone is doing well and not sharing their their struggles, then it, it can be very difficult. Then your uh, imposter syndrome, your low anthropology will, will be a, a hindrance to your in that relationship. But if you are in a community where you are talking to each other about the struggles that you really have, then that that the fact that you are struggling with yourself or struggling with the calling that God has given you binds you to other people because you're all, it gives you a commonality to all of us that we say, okay, there aren't any imposters in this room. We are just all people who are called in our vocations who need Christ. And so that's where I can see a low anthropology uh, being a good thing. Obviously the negative aspect of the low anthropology is if you are failing to see the low anthropology of others and all you see is the low, yourself and saying, I don't have those gifts. That's where it's a negative thing. But to my encouragement is to find a community where you can express these failings. And um, ideally, you would want that in the church, that this church is someone that where you can share these struggles. You want that with your pastor too, that your pastor is someone that you can share, uh, that he can be there in the in the valleys with you and in the trenches with you in the times when you are struggling so that he can um, give you guidance and, and be there for you and pray for you. Like sometimes you think, I don't want my pastor to see me and my weaknesses. And the pastors have, you've said this, I've said this too. It's like, we've seen everything. So you, you can't surprise us and you can't shock us because we want to see the negative stuff about your life so that we can bring Christ to the positive aspect so that you can see just how much Jesus is there for you in those, um, in your weakness. But isn't that also, I mean, I would say it's also true that, that your pastor himself is suffering from it. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you just had a call. Yeah. There's a, you just had a call go to, to go to the hospital and an emergency. It's like, what do you, I mean, you, you kind of know what you're going to say. You kind of know what you can say, but what can you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was, I was, I was going over in my head, um, the Luther's explanation for the, um, deliver us from evil and just, uh, the, the idea of preparing God's people that I'm going to see, let's talk about where we are. Let's talk about, let's not try to sugarcoat it. Let's talk about where we are. Let's call the thing the, the way that it is. Like uh, Luther said in the Heidelberg disputation, let's call this what it is. This is a, it's a terrible time, a sad time. Um, but it is also a hopeful time as we've got a, a hope promise of heaven we have god who's going to be with you during this valley he's going to walk with you during this valley valley and so those those kinds of things where um 
I don't know what your initial question was because now I'm distracted. <laughs> no, now I'm, it's, now I'm in a different world. It's it's fine. But, no, yeah. I, my my initial question is, you know, somebody who has a low anthropology does it help or hinder the syndrome? And and I think, I think from what I'm hearing from you is is kind of what I was resonating in my own mind was the idea of living in a in a community or living in a in a society where everyone recognizes no one is perfect, and no one is meant to be. And I think that's the biggest kicker is is the fact that that um you have to live in a society and and be a part of a community that that recognizes that as much as we want to be uh, working towards bettering ourselves, no one is perfect and no one will be there. Um, you know, uh, one of the uh, I think it was David Zoll himself um, when he was kind of giving a talk based around his book, he, he kind of said, one of the things we have to realize is that uh, no one knows everything about anything um, because no one is God except God. <laughs> and, and that is, that is something that I think is, is part of the low anthropology, right? That's built into this. Uh, we view ourselves as a, as a, a race of people being lower than um, what we would want to aspire to. Um, we're not there yet, and we will never be there because we can't. Um, and so having that idea, you know, being able to be comfortable in a, in a place where, you know, I go and talk with my doctor recognizing my doctor doesn't know everything. And that's okay if they make a mistake. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want them to make a mistake while they're doing surgery. That would be horrible. But, but recognizing that that can happen too. Right. Um, or recognizing you hear the stories, I think, sometimes and, and maybe this is going off in a different direction. But you, you, you've heard the stories of like the judges who um, they, they have people who are brought up before them that have committed whatever the crime was. And, and the judges um, are very personable about it instead of very condemning. You know, we understand how you got here. We understand how this was. We forgive you for that. Um doesn't mean that we remove the consequences of it, but it's that idea of recognizing, yeah, not everybody is perfect. You should have been better. Um, I think that's the the worst possible thing that you can do in life is is to say someone should be better. Um, it's recognizing, but or they're that not. Is possible. Or that it's possible for them to be better. But we do this as parents. I, I mean, I just, it was one of those things that, that uh, I, I caught my wife, and, and I've said it too, but I caught my wife this the other day. Um, she was she was reprimanding the kids because they hadn't done whatever it was. I can't remember what chore. Um, and she says, but you should have known and you should have been better. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Actually, they, they can't be better. That's the problem. The, the problem is they're doing exactly what is in their nature. That, that that's exactly what is in their nature and we want them to be better, but that's not how it's going to come about. It, it's not going to come about by them, be, us telling them and forcing them and, and, and then having it happen. Yeah. Peter talks about that in second Peter grow in a knowledge of Christ Jesus. And that's where, that's where the, the better comes from. Not necessarily in our, it may not always happen when you as an individual discipline yourself in, in such a way you need Christ, you need forgiveness, you need his power to look at that, that situation and say, I, I can do this better. I want to be a better child. I, I want to um, 
fulfill my vocation as child in a better way. We can always grow in that, but it's it's the without Christ, it's really hard, and yeah. if not impossible, because we we can't become the ideal person, the ideal child, the ideal parent without forgiveness and without an empowering to recognize that God has called sinful, frail human beings to do a job that is beyond us in the first place. Well, and, and, and to round that out, you know, Paul says those same things in Romans seven, right? Um, the good I want to do this, I don't do. Um, what a wretched man I am and who can save me from this body of death. Thanks be to God. Right. Um, in Christ Jesus. What is that? What is that saying? Yeah. I, I might know in my head, I might know in my head what the pinnacle should be. I might know in my head what the right thing should be, but I, I can't do it, especially all the time. I can't do it. And that, that becomes a sobering, I think recognizing that and coming to terms with that becomes a very sobering thing for people to recognize that not only is, not only is making mistakes intrinsic to who I am, but it's, it's something that will never stop happening as much as I want it to. Um, one of the articles that I had sent out um, talked about a guy who, you know, he, in the beginning of his marriage and when he was first having children, he, he, he kind of is like, well, you know, I'm not going to baptize my daughter because my daughter is this perfect little, little daughter. Right. And, and then as he learned, as she grew up and as she started to rebel and as she started, she's like, he, he started to understand this idea that there is no such thing as a perfect person um, when it comes to humanity outside of Christ um, on this side of heaven and, and that we are all born with this intrinsic problem. Um, and this is the low anthropology. The high anthropology would say that we are not born with a problem, that we, we have a, a clean slate um, uh, at, at the very bare minimum, and that we can just get better, right? Um, and, and some of your most famous stories that people love talk about this idea of just getting better, that we should just be better, like Star Trek. Star Trek is one of those stories where it talks about, well, we just should be better because we're better, Right. Oh, he um, wants to bring Star Trek into it. Now, <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, the, the ideal world that Gene Roddenberry pointed forward in the original series still had a struggle. And that was one of the reasons why the first couple of seasons of the, or the first season of The Next Generation fell so flat because there wasn't any conflict. Um, he didn't, Gene Roddenberry, who was still had his hands in it, wasn't any conflict but by the time they got to the later seasons and by the time they got to the uh, the best series ds9 then there was conflict then you could see just how terrible people could be sure. towards one another especially gal ducat the, the character of gal ducat is a prime example of of can someone become better than than they are or how can't why is he such an evil person well he is actually an evil person i think and for us in our society today that's something that resonates because our society is generally a high anthropology, like evil. Right. Oh, that's just a construct, something that we have, we have established and labeled somebody. The 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 you know the power, whoever is in power has has made something and made a declaration that this is evil and this is good, and the realization from the Bible that there is an evil, there is a bad thing that is intrinsic in each individual. That it's something that we are inheriting, and that is not something that you can. Um, 
by your actions and activity can erase. It's always going to be there in some shape or form. So that is at one point it's depressing to know that we're a sinful human being. But on the other point, I think it it views it leads us to a higher view of Christ and His cross. And sure. because of Christ and the cross, my vocation now it, it empowers me to be my vocation because we're not trying to be the perfect parent. We're trying to be the parent that God has called us to be in Christ. And that's I, I think that that is um, <clears throat> a really good segue. And and you know you see. And, and DS9 to Christ. Well, I, I wasn't going to awesome. say necessarily DS9. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Strange New Worlds is is very good, too, that new one. Um, and, and what I like about that one is it does show the mistakes that they make. All right, there's that tension. <clears throat> but the, the segue that I was going to make is, is you go from a show that I'll say, okay, it has some redeeming qualities ish um, in Star Trek to, to try to prove this idea of a low anthropology. But then you go to the, the more better show, um, which is star Wars. And, and you have, you have um, the redeeming quality coming outside of oneself. Right. Um, So you have, you know, one of the greatest transformational stories of Darth Vader Um, But it comes from outside of him as someone else brings it to him. Right. And 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 brings him back. Um, And that's where really you get this this wonderful message of returning to the Lord with the and that low anthropology is like you said, you know, the the lower we think of ourselves and our capabilities, the higher Christ becomes and his cross becomes. On the flip side, the higher our anthropology, right, the higher our anthropology, the 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 more uh, eye to eye we become with Christ, or even Christ becomes even lower, right down yeah. that because you you start thinking I can do this, I can do this. So Christ now is just well, he's maybe the guy giving me some advice on how I can do it, and then all of a sudden it's no, well, I don't even need Christ at all because I can, I can do it myself. Um, he's leaving an example. This is what I can aspire to and accomplish. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so one of the things as, as you are dealing with it and, and I know we haven't yet talked about, you know, how do we get beyond this or how can we combat this imposter syndrome? But I think it's one of the things that we first got to get out of our head, at least in our own way of thinking is that we have a high anthropology. Um, the higher your anthropology, the more you think you can do, that's like that's like racing in front of Christ and then wondering why you can't see him. Um, and when, you, when you think you are able to do it and you and you and you charge uh, forward and ahead of ahead of the Lord, um, and then you're saying, "Well, I wonder where he is, and I wonder where the trail is, and I wonder how to get there." Um, well, slow down and and recognize um, if you're asking those questions, you don't know how to get there, and so you are making the mistakes because that's what we all we all do. Um, and we need somebody who is perfect, somebody who is better, somebody um, who is Christ himself, God himself, to come and act upon us to bring us to himself. Um, now, that being said, pointing back to the cross, seeing seeing that, uh, um, well, really, and, and I guess I just thought about this myself, um, how many times in the scriptures was Jesus claimed to be the imposter? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, yeah, he doesn't measure up to their standards. Yeah, yeah, he didn't measure up to their standards. He, how dare you call yourself God? Um, so they thought him, with prostitutes and tax collectors. Yeah, they thought he was That's the imposter. What a rabbi does, yeah, um, and yet he wasn't. He was, he was the best, 
um, and the perfect one for us. So being driven to the cross, I, I guess in the last, um, I don't know, 16 minutes or so, I'm sure we can can make it work. Um, being driven to the cross, recognizing who we are in, in Christ and, and recognizing that I am, I'm going to be an imposter in my job. I mean, people are going to want to expect more from me than what I can give. Um, and that's just a given, but I'm not supposed to be driven into the basement for it. I'm, I'm to acknowledge that. How do we combat this? How do, how do we con- combat the whole, the whole syndrome and the whole anxiety that it brings, the depression that it can bring? What do you think? Uh, my thoughts are it's always about vocation where God has called a sinner to the vocation that I'm in. So personally, I struggle with, uh, am I the, the dad that I could be? Or am I the pastor that I could be? I think a work, that's a big one where I have the ideal pastor in my head that I'm always competing against. Like the ideal pastor would have said that. And the ideal pastor would have had, had this kind of sermon or people would have had this kind of reaction to the ideal pastor's sermon today or his Bible study or his the words that he said in counseling uh, and just resting in the vocation of God has called, not the ideal pastor. He hasn't called the angel to the situation. He has called me. He has not called uh, the perfect pastor, the perfect dad that I have in my head to deal with my kids. He has called me to do that. And so that gives a, that gives a, a certain amount of freedom because why has he called me to do that? Because I'm a sinner, not perfect. He has not picked me to be the, the pastor of this congregation because I'm good, or he has not picked me to be the parent of my children because I'm good. He picked me because he, that is because of his grace and he has redeemed and washed me and, 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 forgiven me, but yet also given me this great opportunity to, to serve my kids and to serve my congregation as well. So that, I think that's, for me, that's the, the, the idea of vocation, always going back to that. Even this morning, going to visit a situation where it was not, you know, not pleasant and not, a, not pleasant in, in the fact that it's dealing with death. And that's what made it not pleasant in that nobody, um, for as pastors, we deal with death on a regular occasion. But for our people, this is their family member. These are their their moms and their dads and their husbands and their wives, people that they've spent all their life with. And so for them, it's their first time. For them, it's really real. And for you as a pastor to go into that uh, situation, yeah, you know, you know how this goes. You know, you know the the conversations they're going to have with the hospice nurses. You know the conversations they're going to have with their doctors. You know all those things. But yet, um, it's still. Um, it's still something that God has called you to be in. And so for you to to get in your own head and to say, well, I, I got to be the ideal pastor here or the ideal thing, it's to get out of your own head and just say, Christ has called me to be this in this situation. He is going to care for those individuals through my words and my actions. Uh, um, not not that I would say let him do that, but just to, say, just to rest in, I know what I have in front of me. I know the, the scriptures that are at, I've recalled, or, or like I was saying before, reminding myself of in the catechism what talks about with evil and delivering from evil and those kinds of things. Um, and I know the Heidelberg disputation of calling a thing what a thing is instead of trying to sugarcoat it or make it something else. Um, as I know all of those things, okay, here I am. And I'm, I, I, I called and I served. And as I leave that situation, I know God has put me there in that time with the words I had to say. And whatever I thought I should have said or whether I could have said God used all of those things to care for those souls that are um, needing care during that critical time in their lives. 
Yeah, I, I guess I would I would just push back just a, a, a smidgen on what you said. And and what I'm gonna push back on is um who are we to say what is ideal? Um and and, and I, I, I think I think we want to say the ideal would be as a as a as a Christian we want to say the ideal would go back to what was in the Garden of Eden. Perfection, right? Um, you know, no death. That would be that's not in the cards anymore. <laughs> that it's not. It's not in the cards anymore. So so the and I'm taking this from the perspective of of having to deal with situations in my own life with my own family members, my wife, my my daughter, um <clears throat> of illness that could have led to death and and almost did in some in some cases. Um what is ideal? What is ideal? And and I've had to eat my own words to say, well, this isn't the this isn't the best situation. Who am I to say that? Who who am I to say that this and, and everything that the world could do, what sin can do, what and everything that 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 sin could lead to, who am I to say that what I am I'm sitting in right now is not the ideal for what God's outcome is going to be? You know, and I, I, I thought I about that. The ideal in terms of my ideal pastor in my head, or sure. the ideal father. I don't know if the, I was talking about the situation as ideal. I don't know if I. But meant apply that. that. I just. But apply that. You were placed, and you're talking about vocation, which is a, a, a amazing because this uh, this whole imposter syndrome is about vocation. God placed you in that position for that time for that purpose, and He gave you the words to say. And, and we can all, I mean, it's our own heads that are saying, well, I maybe didn't say it like that guy said it, but God's like, I didn't send that guy. I sent this that guy. That's my point, yeah. yeah. I don't, we don't have a disagreement. That was the exactly. point that I was making. I, I'm yeah. just saying I, my disagreement was ideal, that that idea of ideal is this is God's ideal plan for the time and for the place, that he would send people to do these things that are not maybe the, the picture perfect. Yeah. They're maybe not the picture perfect position that we would think, and it's a it's an amazing thing. It really is um, that we get to participate in in this world with our meager abilities. Um, you know, just because we're trained, just because we have some knowledge, just because we've been called to a position, doesn't mean we know everything there is to know. Um, and that is a humbling thing. Yeah, but that every text you you get up and preach on a Sunday, you go, I think I know this text. I've studied it. You preached it, and then someone says oh, that hit me in a certain way. Or you read like uh, you read the kids their comments on the sermon, and you go, Well, that wasn't really the sermon that I was preaching, but boy, that was a good point that they took home. Right. So I guess yeah, it's uh, I I would agree that you can't manufacture a situation, and or. or can you perceive everything, all the factors that are going into a situation, whether you're a parent and you're going in and you're talking to your kids about something that they did? Do you know all the, the, the parts and pieces that are at play? Oftentimes you don't. Um, oftentimes you're going in and you sometimes you have to apologize after the fact because you said, I, went, I, I reacted too strongly here. Or um, you have to go in again and say, you know what, I reacted too softly and I have to react a little bit harder. Um, do we, are, are we capable of having to know everything as we go into a situation? I think that would be where the low anthropology would go in. Sure. So the high anthropology of saying, I can figure it out. I can know everything, what everyone's thinking, what they're saying, what, uh, 
what's going on in their life and I know exactly what to say. I, I would push back against that too. You don't often know what all of the factors are. You know, and one of the, to, oh, go on. You can finish your thought. Yeah. And then, so uh, on the flip side, so as you're going into a situation, you know that uh, God has called you to that position. You've God has called you to that in that vocation. So um, as you are equipped, yes, you are a sinner. Yes. You're probably going to make a mistake here and there, but um, the higher you put Christ in that relationship, the higher you put Christ in your family and, and in your um, professional life, the better off you will be because then it will be the uniting factor will be that we are all sinners that we need Christ and that Christ has done this for us. Yeah. And I was, I was going to say, you know, um, I think the Lord gave built into his divine service. The, the Lord gave the answer to our imposter syndrome I gave the answer to our perfectionism. He gave the answer to, to our fear of success and our fear of failure. I think back into the the pages of Leviticus, and I see. You see the 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 priests, who are standing before the people, and they're 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 sacramentally, administering, this forgiveness for the people through through the offerings, of um of of goats and bulls and bread. And, uh, and then, so the pastor, the priest doesn't get a big head once a year. The Lord says, first you dear priest <laughs> have to recognize and, and, and have offering for your sin too. Um, you know, that, that you've been doing this, but you also, before you can step before me need this as well. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that is an awesome thing to look back in the divine service in the pages of Leviticus and see um, uh, the first of many sinners standing before the altar receiving forgiveness so that he can share it with someone else. And then when you're in a church setting, at least for me as a pastor, you know, I, I have the opportunity to stand before the congregation, but I'm I'm only standing there as the first of many sinners before the, the cross of Christ um, so that I can turn around and give that same forgiveness. Um, it's It's the hardest thing. To, to always keep in your mind that I am I am just as I'm a sinner who has a little bit of knowledge and by God's grace I am able to share it and oftentimes you get it in your head I, I I'm I've been in this long enough I should be better <laughs> and 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 it's hard to, to come back and say but I'm really not I'm, I'm really not um, I'm still gonna struggle I'm gonna forget I'm gonna have problems I'm going to Gonna need to have my brothers offer me forgiveness. I'm gonna have to stand with my parishioners and say, I don't know, or we're gonna work on it, or however it may be. So yeah, I'm I stand with you on that one. Um, but you have told me before, and I have said it before, um, and we've told our other brothers before that um if you're there, right? If you're there, God wanted you to be there. You know, that's and you're you're prepared for it. Um, for whatever the task may be, he's given you the capabilities to do it. Um, so take solace in that. Um, the Lord has provided for you. Any last words as we have coming to the to the time? Do you want to uh, give a shout out to to anybody? I know you just had a a niece who is uh, now stepping. Oh yeah, into the, confirmed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to her. Congratulations on. Uh, a job well done. Your learning in Christ is over. I'm sure that was conveyed. 
All sarcasm. <laughs> All sarcasm. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, I, I, a closing thought. Low anthropology, imposter syndrome, sound like big words, but really they are another manifestation of our sinful nature that is inside of each one of us, which can work against us, whether it gives us pride or whether it gives us despair. Um, there is always... For the Christian, they are always growing in their sanctification, but they are never finished. And in all of that, we need Christ. In all of our life, uh, with our sinful nature dealing with the evil that is inside of us, <laughs> I'm done. Now, you were saying he, evil, he just, so I put my those face those of you who are listening, he just started playing with the flashy buttons, and no, all of a sudden I was evil. gone. You I said evil, and I had to put my face up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now I've completely lost the best, awesomest. You're talking um, about Christ. Continue. Closing, <laughs> closing thought. And now I will go retreat in my corner and, and despair because the, the best, the really cool podcasting pastor would have come up with a really good um, way to close off this program. But instead, God placed uh, Dave Rudat here and uh, Will Harley has just left the building. Um, he's gone, and now it's just Pastor Rudat finishing off. I don't even have – well, I can do a different music then for the closing if I'm just the one that's talking here. And uh, we just uh, – how long can I uh, continue continue talking like this at the end of the program? That is a good question. You just need to talk about Christ. So, yeah. To, oh, there, there we go. Again, less about me. That would be higher anthropology of me just talking about me and how great I am. But low anthropology would say, hey, look, look at Christ. Look at what he has done for you. He has redeemed you. He has uh, given you an identity that you are not uh, the perfect husband or the perfect wife. That's not who you are. You are a redeemed child of God, uh, given a wonderful calling by Christ who has redeemed you and an uh, a w wonderful life here, not that it's wonderful in and of itself, but because you are living in freedom and peace that you have with God through what Jesus has done. So go live in your Christian life. Uh, recognizing who you are is not what you think. It is who you are is found in Christ and living freely in the vocation that God has called you to be in. <laughs>